Welcome back, everybody, to the Into the Light podcast. We are so hyped for the episode that we have for you guys today. This is something we're going to introduce this topic that we're going to be talking about and who we have as our guest. This is something that I've been wanting to revisit ever since episode three of our podcast, which was like May of last year. So it's great. Yeah. yeah, pretty nuts. But Bray's going to introduce our guest for us. Yes. Uh, today on our podcast, we have Maddie. Maddie is the podcast owner, podcast host. There we go. Podcast host of Sisters in the Frontlines. Follow them on Instagram. And she is incredible and has an incredible story. Maddie's similar to our structure podcast. So if you're interested and if you like what we're doing, go check out Maddie's. We'll have it in the show notes. We'll link all of her links in the show notes. And she has incredible content. She does. She does. And the podcast is amazing. It's definitely a space that is new and needs to be talked about more and so thanks for joining us in the fight yeah oh, great conversation yeah thanks, thanks for, for being here today yeah. thank you for having me <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna jump in and talk about one of the least most talked about things i think in our culture that we live in here in central northern utah and that is girls females struggling with pornography use and addiction And we always hear guys, like we hear the stats, like 98% of guys ages 13 to 18, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, have used, have seen pornography, have, are addicted to it, whatever it might be. But when do we ever hear about the girl's side of the story? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that is what Maddie's whole mission is with her podcast and her media. Yeah. And it's correct that your podcast is only centered around women. Yeah. Pornography, right? Yeah. I am actually... It'll be out by the time this is posted, but I'm having, I have guys on, but they're more sharing. Like I'm having Dr. Brian Willoughby, he's a professor at BYU, like one of the top researchers in pornography. Super cool. So he's going to be the next episode, has some awesome insights. And then a guy named Brock Bevel, and he's going to share kind of what it looks like from the parent side. But yeah, as far as like actual like stories and like, yeah, I am just focused on the the women. Yeah, because we need somewhere to talk about. That's awesome. Yep. I love it. So important. Also, Maddie is a freshman at BYU, pre-business. Yep. <laughs> and she just submitted her mission paper. So that's <laughs> like freaking an hour ago. awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that's exciting. That's incredible. So exciting. Awesome. <laughs> the best. Sweet. So well, should we uh, should we jump into it? Let's get into it, Aaron. Okay. We're looking at you on my left. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I'm gonna complain. <laughs> so. Maddie, let's uh, take us where you want to go as far okay. as your story goes. We usually start like with your home life okay, and kind of how you grew up and what your childhood was like. Okay. And specifically how the gospel was incorporated into your family life. Okay. Yeah. So I have always grown up in the LDS church. My family's always been pretty active. And then kind of like pornography got introduced to me at 13 and I was like, whoa (laughs) like I was kind of like taken back I was like what what is this and it was like kind of like a ton of mixed emotions because I was feeling things that I had never felt before that I didn't know I was like capable of feeling at 13 and I was also kind of scared because I was like I knew right off the bat I think that it was like wrong that like it didn't align with my personal values but I was just like intrigued and then I actually remember like looking up I was like 
I was like, is it okay for like women to view pornography? Like I remember looking that up online. And of course the internet told me it's okay. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. And I also remember looking up and then I like redid this search like a couple months ago to see if it was still the same. But if you look up LDS women struggling with pornography, you have to go to like the second page of Google to find stuff (laughs) that's actually for women because the first page, and there's nothing wrong with this because like this needs to be talked about, but it's for like spouses of LDS men who are struggling with pornography. And so like just seeing that, just that Google search is like, well, dang, like I literally am the only person in the world that struggles Mm. with this. And like I genuinely believed for like years that I really was the only person. And um, And at 13, you already feel ostracized. Right. Like you're not it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So many hormones. You got your period. You got self-image. Yes. Self-image is a huge Mm -hmm. thing. And then pornography into that is like well, I'm not like these girls. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. it's so true. And like, I could literally talk about that for hours. Like how smart Satan is with that. Like targeting these, if you can target a young kid, because the average age, it's like eight to like 11, I think when people are first like exposed to it. Which is mind blowing. Which is crazy, right? But like, it's true. Everyone I've talked to is yes. like the same thing. Yeah. Yep. in that range. Yeah. Yep. yep. And so if you can get a kid that is that young and, and introduce something into their life that is going to be so like, like tear apart their identity so much at so young, like you have got them in your grasp and you've got a lot of power over them. I think as well as members of the church, eight is of accountability, right? Yeah. So from one to eight, you're talking about, I'm a child of God. God loves me. God is this. And and I am this person, you know? And mm-hmm. then you turn eight and then Satan hits you with yeah. all over the world, right? Because you now have the accountability aspect. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that. it's true. He's just... Oh, just hate Satan. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so 13, first saw it, and which is actually like old again, like for seeing it. And yeah, I was just, I struggled with it for a while. Like it got like more frequent and then like more like intense, I guess, which is very common. That happens to almost everyone who struggles it's with just pornography. addiction in a nutshell right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And actually we got to come back to the, we got to talk about the addiction okay uh-huh. but we'll come back to 100 remind, remind me okay anyway so then i think it was like 14 or 15 when i actually decided to like go talk to my bishop and i can't remember like there wasn't anything specific that i remember that like prompted it but i just like sent him a text and i was like hey we need to meet and it was crazy because it was like like as soon as i sent that text like like and even before like satan was just totally trying to discourage me from not sending it he was like She's like, he, you're going to go into that bishop's office and he's going to look at you and be like, really? Like, Maddie, you struggle with this? Which, like, you know, like, you laugh at now, but holy cow, like, yeah. it was so real no, in the I've, moment. I've been there. You come yeah. up with every excuse in the book. Like, yeah. Every excuse in the book. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And, I mean, it took me a while because of those excuses. So, anyway, I finally texted him and gone into the bishop's office. And I remember, like, sitting outside of the bishop's office, was, like, going in. It was like such a huge contrast because like Satan had a ton of power over me sitting outside and he was like like just so many feelings of like shame and discouragement and like like really like you're gonna go tell this like he knows that you come from a good family he knows he's that you're gonna a good be so kid disappointed yeah in he's you. gonna be so disappointed in you but I go in and like nicest guy ever <laughs> like it was like the coolest experience ever and I love what he said to me and looking back I understand why it was so important. He said, you are still 
a daughter of God and you are still just as loved and you are still just as valued. And like say anything regarding like hey, you know that like sexual sin is like really bad. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you Pulls know. Out the Alma <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And so but I think that's so interesting looking back because pornography is really good at tearing down your identity, right? And just taking away those things that like you claim, oh, I am a daughter of God. I am loved. I am valued. And so to have those things like reassured to me, like that helped a ton Yeah. because it's not that a lot of times we say like, oh, they've got a problem with pornography, but like 99.9% of the time it is they have a problem with like some relationship in their life or their relationship with themselves or with mm -hmm. God or whatever, or like there's something going on in their life. Like a lot of times it's not, it's, it's pornography is trying to pose as the solution because it does work as a temporary solution. It makes you feel good. And then it doesn't make you feel good. But anyway. About kind of, at least you know. before you went to the bishop or like that you went to the bishop for. They, yeah, I actually like went and had a conversation with this, with them about this. Cause I was like curious. I was like, did you guys know? Because I actually didn't tell them until it was probably less than a year ago like oh. hey like i've struggled with this and surprise i'm gonna tell the whole world now <laughs> but anyway i don't think that they knew but then i was talking to my dad and he was like well we knew that like you you went to the bishop's office and like we knew that we figured that's what it was but like we just you know like if you weren't if you're gonna come and talk to us about it you were gonna come talk to us about it and if not like we weren't gonna say hey why are you gonna meet him at the bishop <laughs> and did you was that appreciative of you that they didn't come to you yeah. and, like, bombarded you? Yeah, looking back, yes, it was. But also, like, that is my personal yeah. circumstance, and that's just going to be totally different for everyone. For so, sure. I don't know. Anyway, what was I? Oh, but I want to kind of dive into the text now. So, as far as, like, what my parents knew. So, I have an older brother, and he was struggling with pornography. And I have his permission to, like, share this wherever, and my dad's permission, too. But he was struggling with pornography, and that was at the time I was, like, 14 or 15, I think. So my dad and I are sitting in the car, and somehow pornography talk, like, comes up. And he was talking about how my brother had been struggling with it, and he hadn't been able to take the sacrament for three months. And then he, like, slipped up once and wasn't able to take the sacrament for six months, which, like, first off, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, that makes me so mad. And, like. But that's a whole other topic, just having imperfect people in leadership positions. And that happens all the time. Imperfect people with a perfect gospel. It's a hard combo. Anyway, so he was telling me about that. And he was saying, like, like how badly, like, m my brother was just hurting so bad after that. He's like, it's not even, like, worth it, you know, like, to even, like, why would I, why would I stop him for pornography? I can't even do it for, like, less than a month. There's no way I'm going to make it to six months. Like, mm -hmm. might as well just give in. And so he's just feeling super discouraged. And my dad was like super mad at the bishop. But he, after kind of like praying about it, he received some like personal revelation. And instead of telling him, hey, like, it's okay to like step away from the fight and relax. Like he, he wrote out this text instead. Read. So it's called, it's called There is Only War. It says, there is no peace. There is only war. I believe in serenity, stillness, civility, and tranquility, but not peace. Peace, when defined as the absence of conflict or war, is a myth, an imposter, a lie. 
It is a false god we've been taught to worship by pansies and evildoers. There is only war. I believe in winning, but not victory. There is no ultimate or final victory. At least not in this life. And candidly, the next life seems less attractive if the concept of a final victory exists. But I'll leave that to a much wiser general than me. My heaven is Valhalla. There is only war. But how can there only be war? What about surrender? There is no peace through surrender. Surrender is simply one's decision to declare war on themselves. The war continues after surrender. It gets more costly, futile, and painful. There is only war. I want to celebrate winning with you and honor every day of your fight. I want to be yoked together in this war. Whether you've won or lost any particular battle on any particular day doesn't matter to me at all. I want us to be fueled by the brotherhood that comes from going to war together. I want to be bloodied, exhausted, humbled, and yet undeterred from the path, the war path. There is only war. Would you agree to text me first thing when you wake up and last thing before you go to bed to tell me whether you're winning or losing? Please don't ever hesitate if slash when the text is, I'm losing. That text is the one that matters most because it means we are still in the fight. There is no peace. There is only war. Love the war. I love being in it with you. And like hearing that, I, d- I think at the time I didn't realize how amazingly profound that was. Because your dad shared this with you in the car when you were 14 or 15. Yeah. And he didn't know. Like, he didn't know. Yeah. And like, I think I was like, oh, that was cool. But then like reading it back, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> like I could, I, I feel like I read that text and I get something different out of it every single time. Like it's like the scriptures to me. Yeah, like, it's I just, feel like your dad should be a writer or something like i that. i agree i feel like i want to run through a wall i know but it just like oh it just is so good and like there's so many different principles that you can pull from it but like one of my favorites that like i feel like i've just learned a ton this past year is like progress over perfection and like the idea of perfection is such an illusion and it's literally never going to be attained at like he says at least not in this life and i also love the part that he says and candidly the next life seems less attractive if the concept of a final victory exists because it's like we all look for like oh you know once i once i get that good job once i get a raise once i get into the good school then i'll finally like be happy and things will be perfect but it's like like you know, just goes back to like, there's only war. Like, this is just what life is. And if we just keep putting, we're never going to be happy. Like, (laughs) you know, we have to find happiness, I guess, like in exactly where we are. So I think it's so interesting to me. I I work in addiction recovery circles with drugs and different substances and things like that. And we're always talking about with our clients, like it might seem that the easier route is just to succumb to addiction. Like, Mm -hmm. not to fight it anymore. Just do whatever you feel like. But in the long run, that is so much more difficult than fighting through it each and every day. Well, you're enabling the addiction at that Mm -hmm. point. You know, we talk about enabling people. You're enabling an addiction to just, it's okay. Like, this is going to help me. Mm -hmm. This is going to help me get through this. But in reality, damage is more. Yep. I would say. Oh, it totally does. And I love, like, your dad says, surrender is simply one's decision to declare yeah. war on themselves. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. And that's just that truth. Right? I know. And we, we talked about that. And, like, he's like, I want you to clarify, like, when you do tell these things, like, I am 100% 
all for surrendering surrendering yourself to God and like mm. admitting when you are powerless against something because like there's so much beauty in that and like to just have like not be carried by God but like be yoked with Jesus and like and like walk his same path like there's so much power in that how does but, that look in a practical sense hmm to be yoked surrendering to Jesus and God and to be yoked with them because mm-hmm. I feel like that is a desire that a lot of yeah. Latter-day Saints and good people want to have right but yeah how do we oh that's such a good question give me a second so I can think you're good I think like it just comes from like vulnerability so much of the time and like so like especially with stuff like this where it's like there's things that we have that we know that we, our lives would be better if we want to give up, but we just don't quite want to give them up. <laughs> like, we just feel like we can handle it on our own. And, like, I have gone through that so many times, like, trying to, like, you know, like, quit pornography. It's like, you know what? This is the time. I'm going to just white-knuckle it out and willpower it out. And, like, it genuinely was not until I, like, surrendered to God and, like, literally prayed. And I was like, I have to have your help with this. And it's not so much of, like, like, listen, like, I'm just putting this in your hands. Like, you are putting it in your hands, but you are going to do every single thing in your power to get rid of it. Like, that's that's the point. And, like, yeah. what a cool experience. Like, it just, it makes your life so much better. That's, I don't know. That was kind of an all-over-the-place answer, but. No, that's the most vulnerable position that you could possibly be in, right? Vulnerability yeah. with God. Yeah. And, that's true. Because he knows every part of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about a lot, and I'm going to mention it again, that sometimes when you're going through sin or when you're going through these hard things you are like i can't let anybody know this because yeah. if they know about this they're gonna think that this horrible person and that i'm this and that i'm that mm. but in reality we listen to these stories and you can probably attest to this having your own podcast you listen to these stories and you just love these people even more so you're just fun. like they are so courageous yeah how did they get through that you know what i mean yeah and just think about god looking at you like that yeah like just be vulnerable with me and i i got you like you're yeah. amazing no matter what you're going through currently mm. and i'm here to help you get through that yes and i love your support system ever yes it's true and i love that you said what you're going through currently because a lot of times we look at like especially and i guess like addiction addiction recovery we're like, oh, hey, like, I've been five years sober. Here's my story. But it's like, me, I think it's been, like, months, you know? Like, yeah. I'm still, I'm just, but there's so much strength to be able to say that and to be able to, like, still share my story. And this goes for, like, every single person I've had on the podcast. Like, I had my 14-year-old sister on, and she's like, I think it had been, like, a month. And I'm like, you're such a beast. Like, yeah, you're yeah. so cool. And, like, yeah. we, again, like, Satan really does want us to flip the script on our heads and say oh if i tell them that i've only like gone a month they're gonna think i'm the worst person ever no like it's amazing to me and it really does like just make me think of people so much higher and it gives people so much depth you know i was just gonna say i think we had a client come in the other day who's been three days sober from marijuana use and he Mm -hmm. came in he's like I messed up like I relapsed and it's only been three days and he's just shaming himself like crazy. And we're like, dude, no, like that is awesome. Like you've been three days, like you went three days without using something that you've used every day for the last like eight years. Right. Like that's incredible. You should be proud of yourself, but it is such a trap that Satan tells people Mm -hmm. like just because you relapse, you're, you're right back into your back. It's square one. I was, 
I wanted to ask you though, back when you were when you were in the thick of it, of your pornography use, what do you feel like your identity was based on? Hmm. I feel like like a lot of times when we talk about, I guess I don't like to use the word addiction. Talk about that later. Yeah. But when we talk about like struggling with these things, it feels like a double life. And so that's kind of what I felt like I did not feel like every part of me was like integrated as one like it pornography felt completely different and because of that like all things regarding sex were terrifying it was like oh my gosh like if like there's gonna be a scene in this movie or whatever that's gonna have something to do with like sex and like I'm just gonna fall right back into it and it was just so scary and I was living so much in fear so as far as like what my identity was I feel like it was kind of like split and and like that's been one of the coolest things that has happened over the past little bit is like I'm no longer like scared of that mm. part of me, you know, and it's actually like like heck, yeah, I shouldn't be scared of it, like that is one of the coolest gifts that God gave me is to be able to have those feelings, and like and of course, Satan is gonna want to like pervert them and like like imitate them, and anyway, so yeah, to answer your question, probably it was it was split, and it felt like mm-hmm. I was split between two worlds. And if anyone ever found out about the other world, I was done for, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Dang. I feel like there's so much power in sharing your story. I feel like, at least for me, when I shared my story, I learned a lot about my story. Mm-hmm. How is it for you now that you're kind of at the point where you feel okay to be vulnerable and you feel okay to share your story? How does that help you in your recovery or not help you? You know, I think Mm. it could go both ways. Oh, totally helps. And that was actually, that was the exact reason I started the podcast. It was like this like shower inspiration, shower thought inspiration, right? I'm like thinking. It's a revelation always. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'm like thinking, I'm like, man. So this was probably, I had been doing, just going on podcast as a guest for like, Ooh, I don't know, maybe like two months. And I'm like, man, like this has been so great to be able to just for my own self. Like, sure. Like, I hope it helps people. But like, man, this is good. You know, like this is helpful for me because I mean, when we just bring those dark things out into the light, like into the light. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, when we like bring those dark things out, it just again, like it like integrates you. And so it's, yes, to answer your question, it has absolutely helped. And it's really cool to be able to connect with people so often about this because it's like, it's like, I Satan was in the dark gets, for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satan just gets less and less power, I think, as we talk about it more and more. Going on that same vein, I wanted to ask you as well, when I was listening to your story, like the first episode of your podcast, mm-hmm. I loved how you described, and you talked about it a little bit earlier, the moment before stepping into the bishop's office mm-hmm. and the moment afterwards. And I think, A lot of people that have struggled with really, really heavy sin, whatever it might be, have a similar experience like that, like your Joseph Smith Sacred Grove experience. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask, like, in your opinion, why is confession so necessary to Mm. the repentance process? Mm, That's a good question. I think, like, I think confession goes hand in hand with, like, connection and, like, a lot of times we, I had confessed to God and I had like talked to him and been like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm confessing to you. Done for, you know, we're good. We're good. Right. (laughs) But like, it's, 
it's just getting to that point again where you're like, I am willing to do anything to get this out of my life. And so it's like, yeah, if you're willing to like go tell someone else and obviously like you've got a bishop and most of the time they are like the most loving people ever. (laughs) And so, yeah, I don't know. I think it just it breaks that silence that you're in and literally just saying the words as like incoherent as they may be. (laughs) And like as much as you may just be sobbing, because I know I was when I first went in. Like, it just gives Satan so much less power over you because he wants to keep you in darkness and he wants to keep you in isolation. That's interesting because growing up, going to the bishop about sexual sins is like this horrible thing. bad, shameful, like. (laughs) Sacrament meeting. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's this horrible, shameful thing. Or not put in a corner during sacrament meeting, but not be able to partake of the sacrament. That's exactly. That's a feeling and a thought, Mm -hmm. too. I that... And and maybe this is just from like things that I've heard in people's stories, but I feel like the soul priesthood power is activated mm. when going to the bishop. Not saying it wasn't before. I'm not saying that it's completely like that. That's never been something in your life during that time, right? But I think it you're in full force, being able to connect with God mm. through His power, Lovely. and there's no other way to do that. I think when you're in the bottom of the pits and you have no idea what to do and you have their option out of it and he has a spiritual power and strength and maybe this isn't sexual sin maybe it's something as difficult as an eating disorder or a fight with your friend or fight with your spouse you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the bishop is there as a spiritual leader to be able to access more power to god Right. And like literally sitting there as a representative, as if you're sitting there like exactly. across from Jesus Christ and like such. A, and, and like also like on the connection part, then you have someone who can be your support system. Yeah. And like bishops are such good accountability partners and they're always willing to like be your accountability partner. And so was, yeah, was he the first person that you told? Yeah. Like ever. Yep. Wow. And there's so much power to that first yeah. that first telling. Oh yeah. Whatever you're dealing with. It gets right? so much easier to talk yeah. about after the first one. I loved the phrasing that you used in your episode. You said you walked outside and like you saw the, the sky. Yeah. The sky was blue, sky but was it was blue, bluer. But it was bluer. And, and like was green. I say in there, but like not that's literally not a metaphor. Yeah. Like yeah. I just walked out, I was like, what's going on? Like it just it was just such a huge testament of like the atonement. And it's like, man, like this is so cool. Like this is everything, you know, like it's not just this thing that's like taking away the little like demerits on my, you know, like, no, it is just it's amplifying every single part of my life. That's dope. When your relationship starts to grow with the Savior, everything gets better and mm-hmm. clearer. Clearer. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool because that was the start of your journey. And I can imagine there were plenty of pornography usage after that. After that, you yep. know what I mean. Yep. But the atonement was still able to penetrate your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's because that was something else that I thought about when I was listening to your episode. Is I think you said Christ's atonement works gradually, right? Mm. It's not. I think when I first was when I was going through this, I think I kind of had the fallacy in my mind like confession is it. Like once I confess, like. Mm-hmm. I've repented, like it's done, right? Right. And there's nothing that's farther from the truth than that. (laughs) That is the first of many, many, many steps. That's true. So what would you say about, I don't know, maybe if you could just riff on like the gradual 
yeah. aspect of the Savior's atonement. Yeah, for sure. I think like, I mean, isn't it like the literal definition of the atonement in some cool translation that I don't know because I'm not <laughs> smart enough, but it's like it's literal change is what the definition is. Okay. but yeah i think that that is so true it's just change and like change takes time growth takes time growth is not linear and the atonement is not linear because i would say that they're all synonyms but yeah so i mean like you said like i did like use pornography after that i actually was like didn't use it for a while after that because i was so impacted by that experience but you know like spiritual high yeah spiritual high absolutely but, you know, like, if you're not constantly keeping up with those, like, things that keep you spiritually in check, then you fall back into the same habits. And so I did. And, like, honestly, those years are kind of blurry. So I can't remember exactly, but I know that I did use pornography. But anyway, just so, like, like growth. Absolutely. Because I just learned more and more and more as I continued to, like, involve Christ. And some of the most important lessons I learned like relapses don't start you back at square one like if you don't let them (laughs) (laughs) emphasis on if you don't let them um if you have that mindset that like hey okay what can I learn from this and look at it super analytically like okay where was I when I like quote-unquote relapsed or like viewed pornography again what was I doing like five minutes before where was my head at like what's going on in my life that might have like triggered this or like like my surroundings like for because for me it was like I it was times when I didn't have a super structured day and I would maybe be like scrolling on social media or something or just doing something else to like kind of like numb my brain if you know what I mean and then it was like oh well you know like I'm already doing this or like maybe like my parents aren't home so like you know might as well view pornography and then it would be like like I was actually talking to one of my friends about this about like what are Satan's tactics that he gets you right before you view it? And like, for me, it's like, you have to do it right now because like, it's like, you have to do it right now because I think both of us knew, both Satan and I knew, if I would have taken 30 seconds (laughs) to think about my decision, I wouldn't have done it. But like, he just wants you right then and there. And then you feel so bad after. But anyway, that was like, that was so all over the place. But (laughs) no, (laughs) that's awesome. I think I think you hit on a really cool point, and this is for anybody that might be struggling with any sort of problem similar to this. Yeah, is like the cravings, they come and they go. They do go. Yeah. Like there's, I think it's in it's something called like the wave model or something like that. And you can picture a craving like a wave, and for sitting in the ocean, the wave's going to come, and you can ride it for a while, but eventually it's going to crash. Yeah. And if you ride it out long enough, like it's going to go away. No, it's so true, and like, like. I love that. And by writing it out, I just also want to mention that doesn't mean just white knuckling it and willpowering <laughs> yeah, it yeah. and saying like, go away, go away, go away. Like it's actually fill just your time with something else. right. Like fill your time with something else, but also like fully acknowledge what you're feeling. And like, like I was talking to that guy, Brock Bevel, and he struggled with pornography for quite a long time. And he's like, now what I do, it's not that I don't get tempted anymore. It's that every single time I get tempted, like I, I turned to my wife and I'm like, hey, I just like saw like this girl and it just like, you know, triggered me to want to view pornography. And then the power's gone. Like yeah. it is literally gone right after you do that. And so like as awkward and as weird that may sound, <laughs> like it's not. And yeah. it's seriously, as soon as you say those words out loud, it gives Satan so much less power over you. So 
and Sarah, I also just want to plug like Sarah Brewer. Maybe I'll send you Sarah a link Brewer's to. Awesome. She's she's so good. Yeah. I'll send you a link to like one of my favorite podcasts by her. But she talks about like there are three things that you can do when you have an urge to view pornography. You can either push it away and just say no, 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 like like all thoughts about sex are bad, you know, or you can just immediately give in, like give in to Satan's saying you have to do it right now. And I think she calls that react. Or you can just accept it and just sit with it and just say, okay, what exactly am I feeling right now? Like, where am I feeling it? Am I like just becoming super like mindful and intentional about it? Like, it really does help. It really does help. So. I wanted to talk just a little bit about relapsing. Yeah. Because something I pulled as well from your podcast is like relapses are necessary, especially I think in 99% of cases when someone is struggling with repeated behavior relapses are necessary once you decide to stop yeah but something that i loved i can't remember if you mentioned his or her name but i think they were saying that the important thing is, is that you're facing god right oh smith alley he's on a mission now like would you, as of like two weeks ago would you mind telling that story about what yes. he said because it, it's so powerful yes yeah he talked about this was and i can send you a link to this too but it was an unashamed unafraid podcast and he was sharing his story And he had this metaphor that I just loved. And he talked about he's at a point in his recovery journey where he's no longer turning away from God. He's facing God. He might take some steps forward and he might take some steps back, but he is still facing God. And I think that's exactly where God wants us. Like, I think he doesn't care if we're taking steps forward or taking steps back. I think he just wants us with him. In the direction we're facing. Yeah. How? Because you mentioned the unashamed and afraid. I've listened to that a couple times. Oh, so good. What is your take on shame, especially within women dealing with and how that kind of played into your story? Because I don't know if we touched. Yeah, for sure. I think that there is a lot more shame surrounding women struggling with pornography versus men struggling with pornography. I think it's huge in both. Like, I don't think that men don't have shame. They totally do. And it's it's hard on both people. But I just think that there is absolutely no room for shame when you're trying to change. And shame will never lead to change. You can't shame yourself into into quitting pornography. You can't shame yourself into anything, actually. (laughs) And like there's just I think that there is absolutely a space for self-criticism, but there's not a space for self-hatred when you're trying to improve. And so, like, again, just going back to looking at things super analytically and just saying, hey, like, this is what I did. I messed up. And being super like account- accountable to yourself and accountable to God and accountable to like a physical accountability partner. And just saying, hey, this is where I messed up. But not just saying, okay, I am a bad person because of this. It's just I am a person and I did a bad thing. And just taking that like identity part out of it, I think has a huge part. But mm-hmm. shame, my take on it, bad. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did you feel shame growing up? Yeah. And where was that shame? Because your parents didn't know. Yeah. You shamed yourself, I'm assuming. Totally. Where was the other? Yeah. I'm really trying to grab for like one specific part in your podcast. Young women leaders. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about leading questions. Yeah. For real. (laughs) Where was shame specifically in the young women's leaders? (laughs) No. But there totally was, and there still is some, like, shame culture in the church. But I also want to preface this by saying, like, 
I have no hold no grudges or hard feelings towards my young women's leaders because it's innocent. It's totally innocent. Yeah. And there's no way they had the wrong intentions with this. I actually think they had very good intentions with this. Think about it, too. When they were growing up having these lessons. Right. No. It was probably no better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No such thing as. Yeah. So they. Yeah. So in, in my young women's lessons, they did say hey we're having this lesson on pornography we know that you guys don't struggle with this but like make sure you listen for like your future spouse or something and i was like dude (laughs) i'm right here (laughs) and like but that's so hard to hear because it's like yeah i looked it up on the internet and they said it was okay but these people that are like right close to me and that are in my religion they don't think that anyone struggles with it so of course i'm alone and satan really grabbed onto that and like just push that forward. how would you advise if you were a young woman's leader oh. or on your mission when you're teaching a sister or i don't know sure you're an spl and you're gonna be bomb at it <laughs> have sisters be vulnerable with you how would you i guess teach that principle yeah like i are you talking about like if they came and told me about it or just more of in like general? i don't know let's go more with like the young woman's lesson if you had okay. to give a young woman's lesson on pornography usage as a young woman leader how would yeah. you direct that how do you how do you hold that open discussion yeah 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 i would just say like no one is immune to satan's grasp and like you're not a bad person if you struggle with pornography in fact so like the best people that i know have struggled with pornography and it doesn't have to be this defining thing in your identity mm-hmm. like it is so you can you can absolutely conquer it but again, I also want to say, like, my young, my young women's leaders just didn't know that this was a thing. So, like, there's no way they could have given this lesson. But, yeah, it's absolutely conquerable. And and Jesus doesn't want you to feel shame about it, right? Like, he, because the shame, it's just not going to, it's just not going to get you anywhere other than yeah. just hating yourself. <laughs> and he doesn't want you to do that. And so there are, there is a way to, like, love yourself through and, and be super accepting of yourself. And it's, it's okay, like. It's going to be okay, basically, is the thing. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Do you, yeah. Have a, do you have an updated stat about how many women, girls? Uh, I know you mentioned one episode. Yeah. And that is... What is my yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> that is fight the new drug, and that statistic is actually pretty outdated. But because I've seen statistics everywhere from, like, like, 30% of women to like 60% of women struggle with it. And actually there's an episode I do with this lady who is so cool. She did, she did her whole dissertation on like female porn use, which I was like, who even does that? That's so cool. And so I asked her like, like to share some statistics. I can't remember actually exactly what she said. So you'll have to go listen to that episode, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, she like, she said that it's almost like as common for women than it, as it is for men but like women we just but anyway it is hard to kind of like define like what mm-hmm. does struggling with pornography or pornography use or pornography addiction look like and like there's just not like out in the data there's not a scale for that talk about why you hate the word addiction yeah let's jump into that <laughs> sure. yeah and this is okay this is my personal opinion and some people using the word addiction really helps them recover and mm-hmm. so if that is your personal opinion, that's all good. But for me, I just don't really like using it because I feel like it takes away my agency by using it. 
And it's like, well, this is just an addiction. And this is just something that I'm just going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. Uh, And it is different. It's different than normal, like, or not normal, like drug or alcohol addictions. It it wires your brain a little bit differently. And there are a couple, sorry, I don't mean to just keep plugging my podcast, dude. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But there's a couple, there's a couple episodes that kind of talk about the differences on like drug, drug use versus pornography use, alcohol versus pornography use. And just how they're different. Anyway, I just don't personally like using the term addiction because it feels like it takes away my agency mm-hmm. and feels like I am like powerless to. Yeah, that's, that's so. an excuse. Yeah, Succumb. yeah. I, I think too, it's probably important to know. And I have no statistics. I have no information about this other than my own thought. But I think there is a big difference between pornography addiction and pornography use. So, and I don't know the stats on that. I don't know if it's your frequency of use but i think sometimes we label any porn use as an addiction and yep. that kind of could make the situation worse than it is yep that's exactly what is going on <laughs> and like you have like there will be kids that will come into their bishop's office they're like bishop i'm addicted to pornography and they've been pornography like twice in the last month and it's like no you're not yeah. like down <laughs> jokes is a really good article. yes yes uh, well for real? Yes. I think on the and flip side. And he even side, says that. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He does. I think as well on the flip side, it's important to acknowledge that if you have been chronically viewing pornography for months or years at a time, there is like a biological and chemical component to that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, sure. it's not just, again, it goes back to shame, right? It's not just you and your lack of willpower. Yeah, it, totally. It totally is something that your body has become, brain has become dependent to mm-hmm. feel dopamine, to feel yeah. excited, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And well, in I, a lot of ways, that's an empowering thing to hear. Like, my brain has changed this way, but with abstinence, with you know, quote unquote sobriety, whatever you want to call it, reverts. Mm-hmm. Like it goes, it goes back to how it was. Before. Yeah, I and and I think this is from my favorite book, Atomic Habits. Right now, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've not stopped. talking about but he talks about how forming a habit or or unforming a bad habit let's phrase unforming a bad habit is impossible to do if you're not filling it with good habits or something like Mm -hmm. that i i don't know how he said said it very good it's like a whole (laughs) chapter but i thought that was interesting because if you create if you have the same space say Every single time you have porn use, five minutes before you're playing video games and 10 minutes before that, you're eating pizza or something mm-hmm. like that. It's habitual that the next thing you're going to do is view pornography. You know yeah. what I mean? And so to form good habits and finish. Video games aren't bad. Pizza's not bad. Mm-hmm. However, when they are sequential like that, for you, that can be a bad thing because mm-hmm. then it can spiral into more bad habits. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like. Is that real life? The, yeah, that's real life. I yeah, think it is. There's totally it is. rituals, for sure. And I think more I than anything, at least personally for me, it was emotional triggers more than anything. It was it was emotions that I yeah. felt that triggered the pornography use. Yep. And not necessarily like a behavior that I was doing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I don't know how it was. Yeah, I would say the same. Like, it was usually like emotional triggers. It was mainly like feeling kind of like numb to the world. Mm. and then but then like you do have like the routines like you 
mine was like you go in the bathroom lock the door behind you and then it's just kind of already set like that's what's gonna happen so anyway i was going to make it die that fast oh no that was good i think i wanted to i wanted to touch on this morning i was listening to a podcast about it was the follow him podcast for this week, yeah, with S. Michael yeah, Lopez. Yeah, we're all podcast junkies. I think we're the same stuff. Not only are we podcast junkies, we're all in the same podcasting circles <laughs> in Utah Valley. Yep, that's <laughs> true. But he was talking about the prodigal son, which he said is, I mean, Luke 15 is the greatest chapter. Scripture. <laughs> but he's talking about self-worth, right? And how the prodigal son didn't feel worthy to call himself his father's son. When he decided to come back, reverted to calling himself a servant. How, and I know that's just such a huge thing with anybody going through pornography use, right? Mm -hmm. You don't feel worthy of saying you don't feel worthy to be called a child of God. Because I think on the inside, you'd still know that you're a child of God. But worthiness is is a big issue. How, how did you come to the knowledge of your own self-worth and your worth? Not only in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of people around you. Interesting. Mm, whoa, that's a loaded question. It is. <laughs> How did I come to the knowledge of myself? Word? Honestly, I think a lot of it came from helping other people. And mm. like... That's where you found your work? Yeah. And... It's one of the 12 steps. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of times, like, especially now, we have this huge culture of like preaching like, self-love and stuff <laughs> and like i just don't know because and maybe my my perspective on it is skewed but like the times when i have felt the best about myself are when i am like completely not thinking about myself you know what i mean facts man <laughs> it does about that yeah. Divine, Africa, right there, so. yeah yeah and so it's just like yeah i would say that is like huge how i found my self-worth and like just as I have become like more yoked with Jesus, like I am still so fallible and make so many mistakes, but like having more grace for myself and when I make like bad decisions, like taking away the aspect of shame and just being like, okay, like here's what you did. Like you're going to be accountable for it, but this is something that you're going to overcome and here's what you can learn from it. And actually turning like every single thing in life, if you look at it the right way, is an opportunity to learn. So I don't know. Yeah, to answer your question, like long story short, probably when serving other people, that's when when I found myself. Can I just say that is so dope. I've never heard someone say it, it like that yeah. because that's such a principle of truth. Why do we go to the temple where we need to enter and be worthy is the word we use because we're serving other people. You know what I mean? Mm. You feel worse through service. You mm. feel worse through loving others and the only way i think the best way i know to love somebody is to yep so and i true. think going back to your story when you find out who you actually are like what your true identity is these things just kind of go away naturally. yeah and when you lose yourself in the service of other others in the service of god is when you find yourself when you find your true identity yeah as a child as a mm -hmm. very precious daughter of that's beautiful. Okay, so let's talk practicality because that Kay. is my job here. <laughs> let's talk about the takeaways. Okay. And somebody going through your exact same situation, they're like, all right, I've tried everything else. I've tried everything in the book. At this point, I feel 
quite hopeless. What are some things to gain hope and to be able to, I think we've already touched on some, using priesthood authority by talking with the bishop, serving others. What are some other things? Well, we talked about those are like the two <laughs> spiritual things, you know, I'm trying to spiritual it up, gay. Um, <laughs> But are we not spiritual enough for you? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Do you want some tears, Jen? <laughs> what are some other, like, I guess, spiritual aspects you can say to help feel hope, feel yoked with God? Hmm. I guess, like, advice to anyone going through it. Like, my first thing is, like, just talk to someone. And you don't have to know exactly what to say. Like, I think... There's going to be a million barriers that try that Satan tries to put up mm. before you talk to someone. Like, he's going to be like, you don't know how to phrase this. Like, you're going to say something wrong and then they're, they're going to think some bad thing about you. And, like, Getting he's going to... Right. Yep. Like, he is going to try his very hardest. And so be prepared for that. But it also doesn't necessarily have to be a priesthood leader. Yeah. Just have it be someone that you trust. And, like, I would say all three of us, like, if you send us an email, it's not <laughs> weird. Or send us, like, a text or whatever. Like, I think we are all more than willing to hear anyone out. And, like, oh, there is 100%. no judgment, no shame. Any, any medium to bring it out into the light is yes. worth it. Right. Yeah. Get into the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, it doesn't have to. It also doesn't have to be, like, face-to-face in person because that can yeah. be intimidating. Like, like, like you said, any medium. Like, it can be a text. It can be an email. Like, seriously, anything just that first time yeah write it down to get it from your brain Mm -hmm. which sometimes i feel like my brain is not always reality Mm -hmm. yeah reality yeah is a huge step yeah seriously and that was that's actually interesting like i was looking back when i was starting all this stuff through journal entries because i was like man like i wonder if i recorded any of this no no i didn't yeah because if i would have written it down it would have made it real and that's scary (laughs) and if you guys are anyone listening is going through the same thing yeah it is scary but it's not as scary as you think and like the other side of it after writing it down and getting it out into the light (laughs) (laughs) that's three times i'm the one i was saying we're incredible (laughs) it's just like life is life is gonna be good i promise but yeah I don't know. That would be one of my pieces of advice. And and like another thing is like just try like don't tie these things back to your identity. Like mm-hmm. you are not your self-worth. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like sure you are someone who has viewed pornography, but like that's again why I kind of don't like the ad- addiction thing like but you're not a pornography addict. Like that's just not like who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like kind of cling to those things that are your identity. Like you are loved, you are valued, you are a daughter or son of God. Beautiful. Probably atomic habits. We should get it. (laughs) Yeah, do it. He talks about, and this is such an important concept that you talked about, but I just want to get it out there in the literature. Yes. He talks about how people, your entire life, I work at an eye clinic. Let's just start there. And, and I work with a lot of doctors. I work with technicians. I work with receptionists. All these people have labels of their job, right? Mm-hmm. When you're outside of the workplace or something and you carry on the title, I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then you retire one day and you're not a doctor anymore. Yeah. Your identity is crushed. You're like going through a midlife crisis at 67 and you're like, I'm a doctor. I was a physician all these years. Where's my worth, right? And I'm not saying I don't know any doctors who have gone through this. Okay. This is just hypothetical. But 
when you hold so much value into a name that is associated kind of with a temporary thing, when that thing is taken away from you, you will have an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, you will. If you put your identity in something like I'm a child of God, that is an eternal principle and will never leave you. There is no way that you can have an identity crisis with it. Mm. Because no matter if you sin, no matter if you leave the church, no matter if you are against the church and rioting outside, Mm. you are still a child of God. Amen. No matter what you say. And that's what your identity should be in is eternal things and not temporary things. Amen. (laughs) And I like... I also want to mention, kind of on the flip side of that, he, this is an atomic habits too. We could just do a whole book review <laughs> on this. I love that book. Link the book. Yeah. From your local library. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he like talks about how there's this lady that he, she like lost 100 pounds by just asking herself through every single decision, what would a healthy person do? Yeah. And it's like, I, what? <laughs> like, that's crazy. And like, like that is so applicable for any aspect of life. It's like, like a while ago and I think it was like the worldwide devotional for young adults or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they talk about like ask yourself what would what do they say? Like worthy Yeah, righteous, what would a worthy young yeah. adult something what like would that. a righteous young adult do in this yeah. situation? Something like that. And it's like it's like, okay, wow, like really you think that's gonna change my life? Yes it will. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> it will. When you put your identity in something bigger than yourself, it is yeah life changing. Yeah. That's dope. Love it. Okay, I have I have two more questions that I'm thinking of. <laughs> okay. The first one would be I think a lot of times when someone's using pornography, confidence just goes right down the drain, right? Yeah. Yep. You obviously are a confident person. You've come out like you have a podcast about this whole like one of the probably the biggest hurdles that you've ever had in your whole life. Mm-hmm. Where do, where do you go to gain confidence when you're struggling with something like pornography? Yeah, and mm-hmm. also your aura is very confident too. It's not just like Thanks. you have a podcast, like you feel. I don't know, <laughs> but you can feel that you're a very confident Thank person. Thank you. But you 100% aren't, weren't always that way, right? No, not at all. And like, I I would say just like single word answer, like Christ is mm. like my confidence because again, it's like basing those things in the eternal principles. Like, Like even just saying like, oh, I'm confident because, and I'm not saying this from my perspective, I'm just saying like as a statement, I'm confident because I'm a pretty person. I'm confident because I am smart. Like those things are not eternal, you know? But if you are basing it on like, again, like you said, like an eternal principle, like I'm confident because I'm a child of God. And like, and this is me speaking, like I have been like redeemed by his, his grace and his atonement. And that's something that's never going to change. And it's something that I know I can rely on for the rest of my life. And so, yeah, I'm confident. And yeah, I'm going to brag <laughs> about that. Like, that's awesome. And so, like, the confidence doesn't come, I think, doesn't come from anything necessarily that, like, I'm doing. But, like, from the strength that I get from Heavenly Father and Jesus yeah. Christ. He's a bit, it's cool to see you talk about it instead of just hearing you talk about it, like, on your podcast. He's a very literal person in your life. Yeah, he's a best friend type of text and Aaron type of thing every day. You know what I mean? He's very literal. He's very a part of your life. Yeah. And that that is. Jesus is always the answer. Always the answer. We say that all the time. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And you said in your episode two, you're like, God is so good. And Frey and I say that all the time. (laughs) God is like, we are so bad. And he is. (laughs) Okay. For our last question. 
we want to ask you, what thing would you bring into the light? If you could go back and talk to your former self when you're 13 year old, your 13 year old little girl self that is in the thick of your pornography use, what would you tell her? Oh man, I think first and foremost, you are not alone and you are not the only person that is struggling with this. And this isn't your whole identity. And this actually isn't going to be your whole life. Well, it is for a little bit, but in a different way. <laughs> you just don't know yet. <laughs> but it's like Christ has his hand outstretched to you. And like it is so it's just you just have to reach for it. I promise. And like it's going to be hard and he's going to work on his timing and not your timing, which is just going to make you so mad. But it's going to work <laughs> out. I promise. And yeah, I would just say like you got people cheering for you on both sides of the veil and people who mm. if you talk to them like are only going to receive you with love and so talk to them because it is the start of something awesome and there's gonna be a lot of cool change that's gonna happen in your life you're doing great mm. so dope <laughs> like i've been four times <laughs> this is so dope because i feel like i have talked to i want to say about two dozen men in my life about pornography that's the only space i've ever talked to about pornography with mm -hmm. is men and i think it's so cool that we are just able to to talk about it and to talk about it in a beautiful open space and not one time was there shame or like person maddie <laughs> like it was so productive and it was so enlightening and it, for people who will listen to this who aren't struggling with pornography i think they can definitely well, for sure have more awareness and and understanding to people who do struggle with it and i think that's awesome yeah, yeah. Great. i think of everything that you just said i think it's it's gonna be okay like that's yeah. so powerful like it's all consuming at times yep. no matter what trial you're going through no matter yeah. what you're dealing with like it's all consuming at times but there's gonna come a day as you continually consistently turn and face jesus christ where you look back and know that it all turned out okay. Yep. It all turned out how it was supposed to. Yep. Amen. Brother. Because God is good. God is <laughs> Thank you so much, Maddie. For yeah. Thank you for podcast. having me. This was awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. These guys are so, so cool. natural. <laughs> Go check out all of Maddie's podcasts and ins her Instagram. Dope. Like you should see. It's dope. She has like the <laughs> coolest logos. Five. <laughs> She's she's awesome. There's some amazing resources on there to share with somebody, to use yourself, to be educated in the space because that's what we need. More education and vulnerability. Find her on Instagram at Sisters on the Front Lines. Love you. Love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Catch you next week. Peace out. Bye. <laughs>